singles. I'm thrilled to welcome you all to another episode of the Big Friday Podcast. I'm your delightfully joyful host, Chelsea. As we continue the Life Detox series, Brother Mike Yap will share important lessons on how we can remedy the dangerous mindset of entitlement with the message, Escaping Entitlement. So let's prepare our hearts as we listen to Brother Mike Yap. Hey, big fan, this is Mike Yap, and today I have the privilege of serving you guys by sharing a message on escaping entitlement. Yes, that's right. We've been going through this life detox series for the past weeks now, and we've been talking about how to deal with all of these toxic realities that we face on a day-to-day basis. You know, if you have observed recently the world and the society and the culture that we live in, um, everything revolves around this notion of the self. It's about me, myself, and I. My rights, my privileges, my wants, my desires, my ways. And somehow people in this culture develop the mindset that the world owes them something. You see, if we're not careful, we can have such an inflated view of ourselves and what we deserve that we can lose sight of the gifts, the grace of God that has given us all of these things and more. So today we're going to be talking about entitlement. Everyone say that, repeat that after me, entitlement. This is really a heavy, weighty word right now. It basically backs up the notion of the me-centered life. You know, I've observed recently, especially with our generation as millennials and the younger generations, that we feel like we're entitled to a comfortable life. We feel as if we have to live a life that is pain-free or struggle-free. We want to live with such freedom that we disregard the consequences of our actions. You see, many people today feel like their own idea of life, how they should live it, is to live life pampered, to live life demanding their rights, and thus those rights are theirs instead of earning the right or the privileges. You see, according to the DSM-5, this is the book that uh, psychology bases um, different personality disorders, mental health, and all of that. According to the DSM-5, individuals with the so-called narcissistic personality disorder, or NPD, are likely to have a sense of entitlement to special treatment and to obedience from others. Did you get that? So these people with narcissistic qualities to them uh, feel like they're entitled special treatment for no reason at all and that others should should serve them. And and according to that book, um, they are typically without commensurate qualities or accomplishments. They didn't even do anything to deserve such rights or privileges or treatment, although they demand it of others. My dear friends, I share that with you because if we are not careful, even in our Christian walk, we can fall to the same entrapments of title. We want all of the fame, all of the recognition, everything for us to enjoy. So for our time here today, I want to dive in 
to four aspects or four types of entitlement, which I see as more prevalent in our uh, younger, you know, singles, young adults, and the younger generations in particular. Although this is also um, evident in some older generations. And I want to dive into these four pieces for us to actually be aware, um, to bring it into our consciousness and our minds if we are somehow entrapped into any of these entitlement mindsets. So number one, the first P would be promotional. Promotional entitlement, where we are all about recognition, affirmation, our rank, our role, our status in life. The second P would be possessional entitlement, or what I call retail therapy, where we get all of these items and stuff and we somehow want to make ourselves feel better by accumulating all of these possessions, right? The third P would be our privileged entitlement. This basically upholds our rights so that we get whatever we want according to our own terms. And finally, the fourth P, something that I want to discuss, which is not being talked about that much, is pious entitlement, where we feel our religion or our rituals or our conceived spirituality somehow entitles us to something beyond the ordinary. Meaning, if we are serving with the Lord, we deserve to be rewarded, to be blessed, and to be, you know, all, all always happy, no trials, no challenges. You see, all of these four pieces of entitlement, somehow in the seasons of our lives as Christ followers, we can fall into any one of these. And I want to share with you from my own life how I do succumb to some of these at several points in my own walk with Christ. And at the end of each P, I'm going to uh, ask you two questions which you can reflect on and just for us to actually use this time this Friday night to go into ourselves to to think through our mindsets to search our hearts to examine ourselves so that we can somehow catch these entitlement mentalities and bring them to the throne of God's grace to receive mercy so why don't we all just pray right now for this moment that as we begin our time, that the Lord would be with us. Father God, we want to thank you because you are a gracious God. You are the God who gives good things. You are the God who graciously gives us good gifts. And Lord, most of the time we confess that we take these things for granted. We have developed an entitled mindset. Father, help us today to recognize this false way of living, this false way, corrupted way of thinking. And we pray, Lord, that you would lead us in the way everlasting. We pray that our time tonight would be altogether beneficial for our spiritual walk and glorifying to you, our God and our Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, John Piper once said, and let's all read this together, a sense of deservedness or entitlement will keep us from knowing Christ. Do you agree with this statement? You see, most of the time when we feel like the world owes us or other people owe us something, 
that actually hinders us from knowing Christ, from embodying His character, His sacrificial way of life, and giving up of His own rights. And in a way, when we feel like we deserve things, we actually are hindered in walking and knowing and loving and serving Christ and His people. I want to start off with the first P, which is the promotional entitlement. Have you ever um, had a role where you were recognized, you were affirmed, you were applauded, right? You were you were elevated among the ranks, and somehow the rat race felt like it was all good. Have you ever had a time in your life where you feel that or are feeling that right now? Where you hear statements in your mind, or maybe you've uttered it with your mouth, saying, you know what, I'm such a hard worker. I have done several OTs, you know, I am top of my class, I'm top of my team, all of these. I don't understand why my boss will still not give me that promotion or why I can't still manage to find a high paying job, especially now in this pandemic where so many people are resigning or quitting from their jobs, trying to look for higher pay, more privileged, more promotions. Are you stuck in that mindset? You see, sometimes it's easy to begrudge or feel like we're settling when in fact we are blessed, right? Most of the time we are not okay with our current standing that we want to achieve more. And that is not a bad thing in and of itself, but sometimes it can take the place of actually serving God and bringing about the common good. Sometimes we forget that we need to be content, that we need to be grateful for where we're at instead of seeking that higher level or seeking that promotion or that recognition, right? Now, an example of this from the scriptures is from Jesus himself in Luke 14. Now, Jesus was talking about a story here uh, about a someone who was invited to a party. Let's all read this. He told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. Repeat that after me. Places of honor. Saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, hey, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. What is Jesus talking about here? He talks about seeking for yourself that place of honor. You see, the Pharisees whom Jesus could have been addressing here, they believe that they deserve public recognition. They deserve those places of honor at dinners and banquets in the synagogue. They craved the attention and they loved titles of honor. They wanted to be praised and regarded by all men to be such high repute for all of their religiosity, all of their righteousness, all of the work that they do. And even when they fasted, even when they quote-unquote made sacrifices to give, they always want to be recognized. They always want to be praised for their acts of reverence. You see how entitled these leaders were? Instead of wanting to serve people, 
with their position, with their role and rank. They wanted to be affirmed and applauded. And Jesus says, as we continue, but when you are invited to these wedding feasts, he said, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Verse 11 is the principle which we can build upon this. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see what Jesus is saying? Instead of seeking those places of honor for yourself, actually stake the lowest level, take the lowest place, and from there, let the host elevate you. Let the host actually be the one to place you where you ought to be seated. What's the real life application here? Instead of achieving and striving that promotion for the recognition, the reputation, and all of these other worldly things that the, that people can give you, instead, take that striving and seek after God's honor. You see, in the workplace, when we are gunning for that promotion, when we are gunning for all of the perks and benefits of whatever that higher promotion will give us, it actually defeats the purpose of when God called us to work as excellently, as heartily upon Him, right? When we are in it for the perks and promotions, we actually lose sight of the purposes of God to, to the point that we actually bring shame to ourselves because we are so power hungry, we're so position oriented that we forget the posture of a servant. That Jesus says here, everyone who exalts himself, who wants to be recognized, who wants to dominate, who wants to level up for the fame and recognition, he will eventually be humbled. But those who humble themselves, they will be exalted by God in the proper time for all of their deeds. See, the principle is this. We need to humble ourselves before God. When we work, we serve God, not others, not ourselves. That is the principle here that Jesus is talking about when it talks about promotional entitlement. You see, I was once in the world of real estate. I used to be developing condos, um, subdivisions, house and lots, and all of that. At first, it was great. I thought it was my calling to, you know, build houses, sell them, and really provide homes for families, the working class, the middle class, and all of that. And at first, it was good, right? Most of us, we come in our work and we're saying, hey, I'm here to fulfill the purposes of God. But if we are not careful, like I wasn't careful, slowly, all of these self-vain thoughts started creeping into my heart and suddenly, I wasn't doing it anymore for the purposes of God. Mind you, I was already a Christian and I was serving in the real estate business. And yet, somehow, the recognition, the reputation, and all of the accolades crept into my heart and made me a very proud man. And therefore, God had to humble me. Imagine I was working and I was earning a high income, and yet God had to humble me and bring me down 
so that I ended up in debt and I couldn't even afford to date my girlfriend back then, who is now my wife, Yvette. And she would actually pay for our dates and for my gas, right? That's when I knew there was true love. But anyway, I digress. The point being that when you exalt yourself, when you are arrogant and you feel like you're entitled to so much more of these promotions, be warned. Because if you are a child of God, He will discipline you and He will correct your mindset. He will humble you. Your pride has to go. And that's why even now as I fulfill my calling, full-time serving in church, I am particularly aware that I am not here to serve and get promoted. I am not here to be recognized by people. I am only here to serve the Lord and His people. In fact, these words from Paul to the Thessalonians shares much insight into how we ought to conduct our work. Let's read this all together. He says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. You see, our work, we don't do it for self-promotion. We do it to love others. Verse 10, that indeed is what you're doing with all the brothers throughout Macedonia. He's commending them. They're serving all of their brothers across this region. And Paul says, but we urge you brothers to do this more and more. Hey, and keywords to aspire to live quietly. Let's all repeat that again. Say it out loud with me. To aspire to live quietly. What does that mean? Means that even in our ambitions, we are humble about it. We aspire for greatness and yet look at this. The greatness that Paul qualifies here is to live quietly and to mind, mind our own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. You see the kind of life that Paul paints a picture here? To strive, to aspire towards living quietly. You know, in, in, in an age where influencers abound, where, where there are so many people who are just promoting themselves and wanting to get more likes, more fame, not Paul. He says, live quietly. Doesn't matter how many followers or subscribers you get. Work with your hands diligently. Mind your own affairs, right? That is the mindset instead of a promotional entitlement. So right about now, I want us to examine ourselves. I want us to ask these questions. Who am I aiming to please? Am I aiming to please my boss, my co-workers, the people around me? Do I want to please them more than I want to please God? Or am I aiming to please myself before I please God? This, these are some real questions that we really need to be careful of, that we need to be aware of. And number two, am I comparing myself to other people's accomplishments? Am I in it just to promote myself? Because, hey, I want what he wants. I want to be at the same level as her. Is this your mindset when it comes to promotional entitlement? I pray that you would aim to please God above all. 
and that you wouldn't compare yourself to others. Instead, you would live in God's purposes because we are all made differently. We are gifted and called differently. And that's why we cannot compare ourselves. We cannot be jealous of one another or envious of one another. You do what God has called you to do. The second point is possessional entitlement. Now, possessional entitlement, like I mentioned, is all about the retail therapy. More stuff, more items, more gratification for myself. Uh, either, you know, you got a raise and now you deserve these things that you feel will make you happy. But instead, it will just be temporary. You repost the stuff that you got on your e-commerce app on Lazada or whatever, and then you say, oh yeah, the 1010 sale is near. I deserve to shop. I deserve to add it to cart and to spend on anything my heart desires. You see, this kind of possessional entitlement really uh, shatters our mindset on our standard of living. We say that, you know, we want a particular income, a particular level of education, a particular item, and so on. Uh, we hear ourselves say, I've been good, right? I've been working hard. I've been fixing my finances. I deserve to buy what I want for a change without ever thinking that it is for you to steward instead of overspending or doing it solely for your self-gratification. What about possessions as in relationships or the status, right? Uh, maybe you're thinking, I've been single for so long. I've remained pure for so long. I've sought Christ. I've done all of these. I've served in ministry. And yet, why hasn't he brought a spouse or a partner into my life? Therefore, if I want to be happy, I'm just going to go wherever and find whoever. No standards. I'm sick of waiting, right? This can be some entitlement that we have, particularly when it comes to our possessions or even persons, relationships. You see, I, I hear of some Christians where, you know, they, they have been waiting for so long and, and God bless them because waiting is part of the journey, right? If God has called you to marriage, you know, waiting is part of it. And yet, I see Christians fall off the wagon and they're just so sick of waiting upon God's time, God's purpose, God's person, that they just marry whoever they want without even looking at the Bible, what the Bible says, who you ought to pray and pursue and look for. See, that's an entitled mindset. And lo and behold, they do get married and then their marriages are really not centered on God. I'm not saying that's the case all the time because God is gracious. He can redeem it. But there is this entitlement that flows out of wanting to possess certain things in our lives. James 4 speaks on this. He shares, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? He's addressing the church. And he says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Uh, is it not your flesh, he says, that are warring and waging in your own inner being? And he says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder or you hate or you judge on other people. You covet, you, you are jealous, you're envious and cannot obtain it, so you fight and quarrel. 
You do not have because you do not ask. And verse 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You see, there is a thin line between good desires that God has given us and yet there is a worldly line where we spend on our passions. When we are so desiring of things that we would murder, hate on others, or be envious of others, or even ask with the wrong motives, as James points out here. And he continues, You adulterous people, he says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Meaning, if you're all after the possessions, you are actually becoming a friend of the world with its very consumeristic, materialistic ways. And you are at enmity with God. You're an enemy of God. Wow, isn't that shocking? He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We fulfill this possessional entitlement when we just say, me, me, me. What I want, I'm going to get it. However I deserve this, however happy I want, I'm going to get this, I'm going to experience this, I'm going to go into this, I'm going to sign up here. See, that is the possessional attitude that we can fall off of fellowship and intimacy with God. Um, I heard it once said that we, when we are subscribing to this possessional mindset, this entitlement, we overestimate what we can have or what we can receive, and we underestimate what we can give. Damot, right? It's all about me, what I can get from this, what I can gain from this instead of what I can give and what I can offer or sacrifice. You see, continuing with this thought, Paul the Apostle shares in Philippians 4, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Everyone say that with me, to be content. I know how to be brought low, he says, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, all the things that we get, all of our possessions, these are really gifts from God by his gracious and generous heart. And for us, just like the Apostle Paul, we need to be content about these things. If this is just what God has given you, why ask for more? If God has withheld his gifts, maybe he is teaching us how to be content. We must be content with what he has given us. In fact, there are other passages which says, if we have food, if we have shelter, if we have clothing, it is well, right? And, and, and so we, we don't need to, to anymore subscribe to the world's thinking that you need more, bigger, and much more. Right? We can be content with what God has given us. In fact, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 8 says, Godliness with contentment 
is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food, clothing, with these we will be content. So I want you now to again examine your heart and your mind. Where are you at today in terms of possessional entitlement? Are you rearing to go shopping and, you know, no holds barred, whatever you want? Or is there, you know, something that you can practice so that you would alleviate this possessional mindset? Am I overly focused on my desires and wants? Like when you wake up in the morning, it's no longer about what you can offer, what you can give, but it's all about me, what I want, what I desire. My friend, you might be self-obsessed. And number two, in what areas of my life am I discontent? How can I change this? How can I be more content? How can I give thanks to God? How can I actually thank Him? Ten things in a day. Can you, can you do this with me? Just ten. Okay? Sometimes you'll have a hard time, so you can do five in the morning when you wake up. Thank God for five things that He has bestowed and given you. And then in the evening, five more. I tell you, when we have an attitude of thankfulness, when we are content with what we have, with what we have been given and blessed by God, it can combat that possessional mindset, that entitlement. The third would be privileged entitlement, privileges, our rights, you know, how, based on how we uh, want to reach all of these rules that we have made for ourselves. And sometimes, uh, because of our rights, right, we want to rant. We want to just comment about all of these political issues or all of these political, national issues, governmental issues, and even policies at work or at church or whatever it is, or concerns in the family. It's about my rights, right? Um, you might be hearing yourself say things like this, you know, hey, I, I worked hard. I, I'm, a, I'm a good um, you know, son or, or daughter, and I keep the house clean. Why don't Why don't I uh, get any more slack? Right? Uh, I deserve to have uh, more privileges. Right? I need to to get more. Uh, maybe you're you're working hard to provide for your family, and then at the end of a long day, you know what? I just deserve to watch this TV, my Netflix series, undisturbed. Right? We we have this mentality that we are privileged with this. And, and so uh, I'm reminded of uh, one of recent uh, memories that I had. Um, I had to wait for about six and a half hours, uh, all in all, for my Comelec uh, registration. Yes, that's right. I want to vote. I, I want to exercise my right for the coming elections. That is part of our civic and also our religious duty. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest with you guys, from the get-go, I was really lowering my expectations. And even then, as I lowered my expectations, when I was there, when I was waiting in line, when I was in the dark at 4 a.m., you know, groping around, where are we going to line up? What's the process here? Where's the line at? Where's the people at? I was tempted to grumble and complain and rant. It is the reality that our nation um, is really uh, needing change and transformation. And so 
during those six hours that I waited in line just to get my registration, uh, my my reactivation, uh, I was, you know, I was honestly so disturbed. And yet, I found out that I was so entitled. You know, I, I was so entitled in that, bakit ganito? Dapat ganyan. Dapat ganito. Dapat ito yung ginawa nila and all of that. And you know, uh, uh, when I went into the into the line, especially when I got into the queue, I took it instead as an opportunity to pray. So those six hours that I did in line, I had the opportunity to pray. Rather than, you know, execute my rights, you know, hey, kailangan kong magtrabaho, kailangan kong makauwi, and all of this, I need to accomplish this faster to complain to the to the people there. I prayed instead. I prayed for the nation. I prayed for the registration, the elections, and all of that. I prayed for the candidates. I prayed for other voters who are uh, discouraged, who might not have hope. See, that's one example that I found that we can switch this privileged mentality instead by prayer and serving, doing our part instead of us being served. And look at the words of Paul again in 1 Corinthians 1. He says this, Consider your calling. My dear friend, you are a Christ follower. Consider your calling whenever you are tempted to push your rights. Look at this. Brothers and sisters, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose you. He chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast within the presence of God. What is this verse telling us? It is primarily this, that Christians are called not because of their, you know, their grandness, their strength, their wisdom, their nobility or whatnot. God chose to call us so that he can display his grace in our lives. We can push for our rights, our privileges, all we want. And yet, let us be reminded that God called us and chose us while we were nothing. We deserve God's wrath. And yet, He brought us near and forgave us. He called us to a greater calling than to live for ourselves. And the verse continues, Because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So you see, instead of boasting in our rights, in what we did or who we are, we should rather boast in the Lord because of his grace in Christ Jesus, who has taken us from a low point of weakness and strengthened us with his grace. Sino ba tayo? We don't deserve anything. I'm reminded of what David shared. Who am I, Lord, that you are mindful of me? See, that is how we escape from this 
privileged mindset of entitlement. We need to have the humility. We need to have the willingness to give up our rights so that we don't prize our rights beyond that of beholding Christ. I am reminded of Paul Tripp. He shares this quote and he says, You will tend to turn blessings into demands and gifts of grace into the, un into the expected if you live with the mindset of entitlement. See, blessings which are by nature undeserved by grace, we make it into demands. Even gifts from the Most High God, our Heavenly Father, are turned into something that is expected. So you see, what is the antidote? Romans 15 says, We who are strong, kung strong ka, feel like you're, you're, you're holding to such a high level of maturity, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And verse 2 is really where it hits right to the core. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. What is this verse trying to tell us? It means that as we who have been called by Christ, we who follow after the example of Christ, we are not in this to push our rights. We are not in this to please ourselves, but instead to please our neighbor for his good to build him up. Just like what Christ did when he gave up his, his authority, he gave up his being God, and he took the form of being a servant. Although he was God, he took the form of submission, even to the point of death. He gave up those privileges. Isn't that mind-boggling? See, that is the example of Christ, that he was not here, he did not come to earth to exert his rights, yet, he humbled himself to the point of death, as Philippians 2 says, and he was raised. See, that is an amazing thought. And for us, we should think right now to examine ourselves again. Do I emphasize my rights over being able to help others? Again, is it, is it all about me or is it how I can serve and help others? In what way do I exert my privileges? My dear friends, these are important questions to ask ourselves when at certain situations or with certain people, we exert our privileges rather than taking on the form of a servant. And lastly, I have a few minutes to close with this pious entitlement. This is the kind of entitlement that are really near to those who call themselves spiritual or religious. These are the people who they feel like they've been serving the Lord and the Lord owes them. It is the idea that um, when you serve in ministry, that you are somehow exempted from trials, from any discomfort or any inconvenience. In fact, most, if not maybe half of Christians, 
sometimes have this mindset that just because I'm a Christian, I am spared from calamity. I, I, I am granted prosperity all the way. And I am somehow removed from trials or tribulations. But let me ask you this. What if in following after Christ, what if in serving Him, we actually face the most difficult, if not impossible, situations of our lives? What if in following after Christ, we actually go through the valley of the shadow of death? Would you still serve Him? Would you still follow after Him? I tell you, there are some people who have the wrong mindset of following Christ because they think that following Christ is just rainbows and butterflies. My friends, it takes us following after Christ, shedding that mentality, and totally submitting ourselves to God. What about the person who has been serving so long in ministry and yet there's no breakthrough? Still, there is no answer from God. What then? What happens for the singles who never get married? Well, hopefully that's not you. Or maybe you've been expecting, maybe you're married already and you want to get pregnant, you want to have children, and yet there's nothing. This is the kind of pious entitlement that sometimes we do have as Christians. And I want to share with you from my heart now, this is as we wrap up this message, that this is something that me and my wife have recently gone through. You see, several weeks ago, uh, we had an answer to one of our long-time prayers ever since we got married, which is to, to get pregnant. And so we got pregnant, and it was wonderful. It was really a joy to have this um, prayer answered and all of that. And yet... Um, during the course of the few weeks of being pregnant, um, we unfortunately had a miscarriage. And, you know, the, the kind of thoughts that were going in my head during that time was thoughts like, Lord, serve naman kami sa inyo. Lord, faithful naman kami. We serve in the church. We, we do our discipleship. We've been following after you and placing your kingdom first. Why would this happen to us? And you know, one of those verses that spoke life unto me as I was processing this, because I was having thoughts like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to serve God. It's not worth it to follow after Him if ito lang yung mangyayari. And yet, look at the wisdom from Job. We all know about Job, right? How he was blessed with many children, many fortunes, and yet all in one day, that was all taken away. And he says this, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? Just that question. When I read it, I began to experience a change in my entitled mindset. That to be a Christ follower is not just after the good things that God gives us. It is also through the adversity, the challenges that he allows us to face. And look at this. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. 
I want to share this with you from my heart because I was living out this false expectation in my head that somehow God owed me a problem-free life. That somehow I was exempted from those very serious heartaches such as losing our baby. And I share that right now because I am able to process it from God's perspective, from His Word, to shed away that entitlement mentality, even that pious entitlement. You see, it's a good thing that we don't get everything we want or desire in this life. Why? Because those unfulfilled desires remind us that our true satisfaction comes from Christ, in Christ alone. That more than any of these good and wonderful gifts that God can give us, a spouse, a child, a family, a job, a gift, more than all of these things, our true satisfaction comes from God alone. And so, if ever you're hurting today, if ever you have those feelings against God that He hasn't answered your prayer or that life didn't turn out the way that you wanted it, the way that you expected it, let us strip off and humble ourselves before God and submit to Him because He is our true satisfaction. It is only He who really is entitled to our worship. It is only Christ who is entitled to our submission and our trust. Nothing else in this world. As I close, I want to share with you 2 Corinthians 5. And Paul again says here, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances. See, the entitlement mindset and not about what is in the heart. For we are beside ourselves, says Paul, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us in another version because we have concluded this. So Paul is basically saying, we're not entitled to anything. If anything, we wanna serve you guys. Because the love of Christ compels us. And he says this, Because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, Christ died for us, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. See, when you follow Christ, even with the challenges, even with all of these trials, tribulation. We follow after Christ because His love has compelled us that we no longer live for our own interests, for our own agenda, for our own rights, for our own entitlement. We live for Him who gave Himself for us. You see, that is the crucial 
center, the heart, the essence of what it means to deny ourselves and to trust in Christ. Andrea Thom shares this, that our desires for the future must run alongside a complete willingness to submit to Christ regardless of their fulfillment. Our hope must be placed in someone better and truer. Not any hope that we can find in this world, in our society and culture, in our promotion, in our possession, in our privileges, in our pious sentiments. No. Our hope is based on someone who is better and truer. Someone who can satisfy us beyond any that this world can offer. We pray to God. We ask Him for all of these good desires. Yes, it's good to desire all of these good things. Let us not forget that as we pray, there's a complete willingness to submit. Lord, if it's okay with you. Lord, if this is in accordance to your will. Lord, if this is what you want for me. Those are the kinds of prayers. Those are the kind of heartfelt cries that our God honors. And so, when we wrap up our discussion on entitlement, once again, let us be aware of these entitlement mindsets. Number one, promotion, promotional recognition. Let us strip it off and humble ourselves. Possessional, retail items, people, relationships. We realize that we are there not to take, but to give and to share. We realize also in our privileges that we give them up for the sake of others. And even in our pious entitlement, God can work even through the bad things that he allows to happen in our lives. He works them all out for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose, Christ-likeness. And so I close with this once again, the verse that is able to help us escape from entitlement, and not only escape, but to fight it with victory. And let's all read this together. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself all of his rights, all of his entitlements, and take up his cross when? Yearly? Monthly? Weekly? During Sunday? No. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow Christ. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for Christ's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, the promotion, the possession, the privileges, the pious sentiments, and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, Jesus says, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. My dear friends, let us take up our cross daily, dying to ourselves, dying to our entitlement, and let us follow after Christ. This is his way, 
this is the way that we ought to be living our lives. Let us all close in prayer. Father God, we once again thank you for this time. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we will be stripped off of all of these entitlement mindsets that we have built over the years. We pray that instead of seeking the promotion, we would take the lowest place of a servant. Instead of garnering all of these possessions that we can gain, we want to give and share instead. And rather than upholding our privileges, we want to concede them in order to honor and serve your people and others. And Lord, whenever we feel that pious entitlement that we are serving you and that we don't deserve any hardship, any difficulty in our lives, Lord, humble us and let us discover how you are faithful not only on the mountaintops, in the victories, but that you are also the same faithful God in the valleys, in the lowest of lows, in the darkest of days. For all of these, Lord, you exemplified in Christ, who, although he was God, he took the form of a servant and submitted himself, obeyed to the point of death, even death on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful cross where Jesus embodied self-denial. He didn't uphold his rights, and yet he was crucified, brutally murdered on that cross. He gave up his life for sinners such as I. Thank you, Father, for the gift of grace that because of Christ's finished work on the cross, there's forgiveness of sin and there's eternal life for whoever will believe in Him, whoever will receive Him as Lord and Savior. And so we thank you, Lord, for this privilege. We thank you, Lord, that we deserve worse, and yet you have given us grace upon grace upon grace. Thank you, Father. May we walk in humility. May we walk in self-denial. May we walk faithfully, bearing and carrying our cross daily. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Singles, the world has taught us to always look out for ourselves given that we are living in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. This will bring out the mindset of entitlement as our goal is to be better than the other person. But as Christians, we are called not for grandness but to display God's grace in our lives. That instead of striving for recognition and reputation, we are after God's honor. So I'll leave you with this final thought. We will never find satisfaction in this materialistic world, only in Jesus Christ. To help process the message, here are the breakout questions. First, is there any aspect of your life that you are dissatisfied about? Why? Second, after hearing the message, why do you think it's important to escape entitlement? And third, what are the practical things you can do to find true satisfaction in Jesus? Enjoy your breakout singles. See you again next week. Take care and God bless.